Welcome to Season 5 of the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors Worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. I continue to find so much gratitude for all the warriors willing to share their stories with us. And so whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the multiple autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you're in the right place. As we continue to grow, the HSCT Warrior Community illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. Thank you. I want to hear all about how you are doing because gee whiz, two years ago plus, right, that we talked? I don't know where the time's going, Jen, but uh, it's flying by and uh, things are good though. Yeah, so so your goal then was to walk your daughter down the aisle. And I did that with a cane. I was going to go without one, but I just didn't want to be, uh, you know, I wanted to be cautious. I didn't want to ruin her day by, you know, stumbling or what have you. Oh, my gosh. Of course. And I mean, all my issues, Jen, are gone except my legs. My legs are my only issue. And I'm working on those right now. So I'm, I'm not giving up. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, same here. It's um, truly amazing to be nearly three years out. So you're a little more than three years out, right? From transplant? Uh, yeah, my, yeah May, uh, May 6th was my stem cell birthday. It was three years. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Oh, okay. I, you know what, Jen? I'm, I'm going to be 67 in January, and I'm not very good at social media. So you should be proud of me that I got on the Zoom today. Indeed, I am proud. Thank you so much for checking out this new technology. Yes. Well, you know, Jen, I tell you, social media is such a um, double-edged sword, but it's been a, it's been a godsend to to reach out to people all over the world to try and help them in their journey when it comes to uh, multiple sclerosis. And uh, I mean, we talk to everyone everywhere. And, and uh, you know, I'm retired and Susie's retired. So we, uh, we, we like doing it because it makes us feel good. Yeah, it's super rewarding internally, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Now, how long has it been? How long has it been for you? Post HSCT? I'm yes. coming up on three years in October. And and you were in Chicago, correct? Okay, okay. That's it's it's interesting. It's unfortunate that there, you know there's so much um, I don't know um, controversy. Sometimes people say, well, they closed the program down for this or that. But hey, Doctor Bert, I'm sure is wonderful, and uh, thank goodness. But the word is spreading, though, Jen. Which the is word the word spreading? Yeah, that's the great news, right? Oh, it just, I just get very frustrated and still people are struggling with their neurologists that, you know, I just talking to a young lady in Texas and her neurologist is not on side and she's just beside herself, but she's going to Mexico in October. Wonderful. So we're just thrilled. We're thrilled for that. And so, to be able to support her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's paying it forward, Jim. That's the way, like what you're doing with these podcasts, uh, I'm sure are very inspirational for people that are thinking about it. 
and uh, and and that's the key, you know, to get as, as as much education as you can and make that ultimate decision. Right, because it is not medical advice by any means, but certainly sharing the personal experiences. I think people find a lot of commonality or something resonates with them to help you know, them make their decision. Absolutely. And I, I don't know if people will really understand that HSCT is a proven medical procedure that they've been performing for cancer since the 60s. Right. And this afternoon, my wife and I are in a, in a cafe and I met this old friend that I haven't seen him for years. And he's telling me about his sister with cancer who had HSCT and how it's changed her life. Wow. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this. I had this basically this a little different protocol, but I had the same procedure to, to halt my MS. So he was just blown away. I don't think in our system, in the Canadian system, that there's enough money in the, in the, the coffer to expand HSCT to autoimmune diseases. Hmm. And that was told by my that was told by my hematologist, who's an HSCT expert for cancer. Interesting perspective. Oh, absolutely! Like he, we we got very lucky. Our neurologist referred us to a hematologist in, at uh, the local Jurovinsky Hospital, forty five minutes from here, and that's what he does. He's an HSCT specialist, and he was trying to understand MS more. And hopefully, one day it's going to be here but it's going to take a while, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we should introduce you as Ron Gabrielli from... The Honeymoon City, Niagara Falls, Ontario. Come and visit sometime. We'll show you around. Oh, yeah, we'd love that. Oh, this crazy COVID, unfortunately. You know, <laughs> Indeed. COVID has affected so many people in so many different ways. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's truly stolen cool. the attention, and rightfully so. I um, Oh, for sure. have for a dear sure. friend right but now who just made it through and her husband is still battling um, and in the hospital. Oh, he was in the ICU, but I believe he's moving out. So that's good news. Well, it's heartbreaking. And you know, the easiest thing, Jen, I don't want to talk about politics, but the easiest thing is to do is to, is to criticize our leader here in Canada. But you know, our prime minister and how he's dealing with things. But unfortunately, you're dealing with the masses. Mm -hmm. and when you tell people don't go to the beach, how do you control it? It's very difficult to control basically what I'm saying. Indeed it is. You know, uh, my brother has a saying, you can't fix stupid. <laughs> so sorry about that. It's frightening. But nevertheless, yes. Well, so I'm super curious about your recovery so far at three plus years out and how it's going for you. You mentioned all of your symptoms are resolved. I think the last time we spoke, you still had a few lingering issues, if you will. But let's talk about how recovery has been going. Well, you know what? I, it's frustrating because um, because of my walking. Before HSCT, I could walk, you know, a thousand meters. Today I can't, but I'm working on it and uh, every day and uh, doing doing my. I have the X and flex and what have you. But I think an important point for your listeners to, if they're going through this and if they do have HSCT, the roller coaster they talk about is so real. Mm. And, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And at 27 months post, okay, so that's two years and three months post, I had a bowel accident. And I'm sorry that I have to tell you that. No, but that but was something you mentioned during our first conversation as being an issue. Well, at 27 months post, I had a bowel accident. And I'm thinking to myself, God, the roller coaster is only supposed to be two years. Am I relapsing? All these things are going through my mind. How did that well, feel? Here, 
Well, it was it was a little devastating because it it it, it was it was just the feeling that, that I used to always get when the urge came and I couldn't control it and it happened. But I'm happy to say that in that area, I'm 38 months post now. I'm back to pre HS pre MS days. Awesome. So my bowel movements are normal. And and so I guess the point I'm trying to make for all your listeners is that when they talk about the roller coaster, that the chart that a lot of people see, it's that two-year chart, you know, where the, the roller coaster goes under, and then at one year it starts to come up, and that two years you should be sailing. Well, that's basically what I'm saying. It's not carved in stone. Right. It's a guideline. It's and that's why, so don't think at 24 months, you know, you're gonna be dancing in the streets. People are seeing improvements into the three-year mark. And I am proof of that. I think it's important that we all realize that it's, and you've heard this before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you have to have patience. Indeed. And so individualized. Now, now it's interesting that, uh, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now or or if if it's suitable because we're talking about HSCT. Because I'm having issues with my legs, I mean, I, I walk around the house okay, and, uh, you know, and I use two canes some days, and some days I don't. And there, oh, there's another interesting point, Jen. I used, when I first was diagnosed, uh, I wouldn't use a cane because of my pride. And, of course, I fell and broke my foot. I learned mm. the hard way. But my, 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 my son-in-law bought me one of those fancy canes for, uh, uh, for Christmas, so that's what I was using. And I developed a, um, I developed, I guess, maybe a sore back from the way I was walking and it, it affected my gait. All those, you know, it was probably two years of using these canes. Well, I happened to be into this cafe that we, uh, that we go to a lot. And there was a physiotherapist in there and, and he knew all about me and whatever. And I told him I was having trouble with my back. And he says, well, let me see you walk. So I'm walking with my cane. He goes, well, you're walking off balance. And the thing I would suggest first is get rid of that cane because it was one of those ones with the fancy handles. And he said, just get a cane with a rubber handle and you might want to try two. So I bought two canes and it's made a world of difference in my gait. Wonderful. And and, because I'm walking upright. So I guess what I'm trying to say to your listeners, don't like stick your pride, stick the pride on the back burner. If you need a cane, get a cane. And uh, so I use two canes now only, and not, not that I need them both, uh, but they're, they're more so I walk properly. Sure. It supports the proper movement. Oh, absolutely. And, and the one thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you want to talk about this, have you, are you familiar with the Tau Patch? I've seen it because of you, and I am very curious to know more about how it works. Well, great. I'm glad that you're asking because I don't want to uh, say things that I, you know, that I shouldn't be saying. No, it's all good. And this is a clinical trial, right? Yes. Well, from what I understand, 15 years ago, a neuroscientist or a neuro, whatever you call it in Italy, was in a bad accident. He created this Tau patch that's been in use now for seven or eight years. The Tau patch, it's, it's, it's about the size of a penny, much thinner and it's made of nanocrystals. What happens is you put it on certain points of your body, and uh, the, the, the heat from your body turns these nanocrystals into um, light, which goes to your central nervous system. 
Now, I've started on it. I'm one month today. So for the first week, I've used two patches on the uh, sternum, one patch on the sternum and one on the C7, just at the, at the base of my neck. And the first week was four weeks, or I'm sorry, four hours a day for the first week, eight hours a day for the second week, 16 hours a day for the third week, and then 24-7. And you can add more patches as you see fit. Interesting. So, so you, do you know if you have lesions on your C7? Is that why you selected that area? Oh, that's what they, and, and oh, this is the other interesting point. He created this for pain. And through their studies, they have found that it's helping people with MS. Hmm. And their recommendation is the C7 and the sternum to put these patches for MS. Interesting. And and that's what I've started on. And the interesting part about this whole thing is, is I, I again, I don't want to give people false hope. Uh, I am cautiously optimistic. But I've been keeping a track of my walking every day for the last, over last year, basically on, on morning, afternoon, and night. On a scale of one to 10, which with uh, 10 being great, one being not so good. And I've consistently been fours, threes, you know, so my walking isn't all that great. But since I've started Tau Patch, I'm seeing fives and even sixes in my own way that I, I grade myself. And I'm very hard on myself. Sure. To, to make sure that, you know, I'm not giving myself a seven or a six when I'm really only a four or a five. Well, that's important so to be objective. And, and that is hard to do for yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm on, uh, like I say, I'm on uh, for it's one month today and, uh, and I've been seeing some fives and sixes and uh, sometimes it depends how tired I get. First thing in the morning, it's, it's the best. You know, it's the old analogy about the, the five spoons. If you have five spoons in a day, you know, by the time eight o'clock at night comes, you might have one left. Maybe you're doing it. You know what I mean? I, don't, heard know, that analogy? I don't know that I have. Basically some, someone said to me, said, look it, when you get up in the morning, it's like you have five spoons for the day. And depending on what you do, you know, you don't want to use them up too fast. If I get up first thing in the morning and, and run five miles, I might use up all five spoons and I have no energy left for, you know, six o'clock in the, in the evening. So it's just a, just an analogy that someone brought forward to me. And, uh, and I think about it depending on what I do. And, and what I'm using too, uh, Jen, is the X and Flex. And basically, it's a machine that I bought used, and it pedals for you. So it's basically, I sit in a chair, and I use it every day for probably three or four times a day. It pedals forward and back at different speeds, but it's giving me the range of motion to keep my legs going. Interesting. And, you know, I, I can, I'll send you some information or some pictures on it and what have you, but I'm not saying that it's... Uh, I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying for psychologically, it makes me feel better that I've been using this now since last October every day. Sure. And I'm just hoping that, and, and with the towel patch, maybe with a combination, my goal is to be able to, to walk three or four city blocks without, without my canes. That's a really and great goal. We'll see. Oh yeah. You know, again, it's, it's small potatoes, but we have to set goals and they have to be realistic. And it's not such a small task for someone like you and me who right now. Right. And, I'm much, and I'm much older than you are. And that's another thing that, you know, they talk about, again, I don't know the science and what the facts are, but they talk about late onset 
MS and how quickly you can go downhill and how bad it is. When were you diagnosed? I I, I was diagnosed in December of 215 at the age of 61. So, you know, which is weird. I mean, I have my theories on what I think brought it out, but they're, again, they're just theories. There's really no proof. You know, for example, they talk about the Epstein-Barr virus and its relationship with MS. I had mononucleosis when I was 14 years old. And in our group in uh, in Mexico, out of 15 of us, 14 of us had mono. Mm. Coincidence? Maybe. And then in 2014, in January, my mom passed away. But God bless her, she was 90 years old. But it was stressful when you lose a loved one. Of course. And then two weeks later... I got caught up in a restructuring and lost my job after 27 years. To add to that, I was involved in a multi-vehicle car accident where everybody was being sued. So those three stressful things, whether that MS was lying dormant in my body, I don't know. Because, again, it's it's very odd for someone 61 to be diagnosed, I think. Sure. And and that is my, my logic of uh, why I developed MS. And the fact that I had mononucleosis when I was 14 is sort of my saving grace in my mind because our daughter, we have two daughters and they're, you know, they're 30 and 34 years old. Heaven forbid, you know, they talk about, is it hereditary, isn't it hereditary? So I had mononucleosis, they did not. So I'm just praying, you know, and cross my fingers that they never get this dreadful disease yeah. because I feel it's going to be my fault if they do. Oh my gosh, that fear creeps into my mind every time my daughter complains about numbness in her hand or feeling weak. How old, and- is, your, how old is your daughter? She's nine and a half. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. And and like I say, I mean, did you did you have mononucleosis when you were younger? I did when I was about thirteen. Isn't that now, again, I don't know the science, the science behind any of this, but all the stuff that I, you know, that not that I read a lot, but all the things that I've talked to people about, and et cetera, et cetera, they say the Epstein-Barr virus is, is somehow associated to this terrible disease, right? It's so fascinating that doctors know so little about MS still, right? Well, there's, there's so know, many correlations right. and there's so many side effects and it affects everyone so differently. And I think that's part of the reason why they know so little because everyone's experience with the disease is so different. However, we do share so many commonalities. Oh, you know, Jen, you're so right. But what troubles me, I think, with my experience with um, with some doctors is they they need to be more open minded. Mm. If they don't know the answer, don't be afraid to ask a colleague or do some research. Like it just, it boggles my mind when I read about patients with who have MS and their neurologists are, are, are just so dead against HSCT. Right. And they discourage them to no end where they don't even know themselves what HSCT is and what it can do for some people. I mean, I, I am 100% convinced at my age, I'll be 67 in January. If I did not have HSCT performed when I did, it was 16 months after my diagnosis, I would be in a wheelchair today. And I am so thankful because when I was diagnosed at 61, Jen, I was a two on the disability scale. Mm. And I know the disability scale is a little 
Subjective. I mean, so much is based. Yeah, and it's based so much on your mobility. But at 61, I was a two. When I got to Mexico 15 months later, I was a five. So I was definitely going downhill quickly. As you know, at eight, you're wheelchair dependent. So uh, I am just so thankful that uh, that we were, you know, that we were fortunate enough to find people that were so helpful to us that had HSCT. And that's why Susie and I are committed to helping others. And like I say, I don't have a job. I'm retired. So, I mean, right. time is, we have all kinds of time to speak to people. Which is so wonderful and, that you help give back to the community in the ways that you do. But you know what, Jim, but so do you, I mean, you're doing it. Everyone that, I think everyone that has gone through the experiences that we have gone through feel, I don't say feel obligated, but I think they want to help. Yes, motivated and driven to help. Yes. Yeah, and it's a scary thing. Like the young lady we were just talking to in Texas, like she's she's young. She's in her she's like in her late twenties and it's heartbreaking. You, you know, to see someone, but I mean, we can only tell her our experiences. And I tell everyone, this is my experience. You need to do your research because this decision is ultimately yours. It's not a dangerous procedure, it's a serious procedure. And you need to do your research to make sure when you make that decision that you are comfortable with that decision. Right. And, and that's so important because I would not want to say, geez, Jen, you got to go have this done. This is what it's done for me. And then you go down there and something bad happens or, or you go to Chicago or wherever you go. You know, I, didn't, I don't know if I told you this the last time we spoke, but this is this. I find this really weird. But uh, Selma Blair, the actress, well, I've been, I was talking to her long before on Instagram, long before she had HSCT in Chicago. And I didn't know who she was. And then one day I mentioned her name in a conversation. They said, well, she's a famous actress. I go, she is? Or actor, whatever you call her. <laughs> right, right, sure. Got to be politically correct today. So anyway, I was asking my daughter. I goes, do you know Selma Blair? And she goes, yes. I goes, well, I've been talking to her on Facebook or on Instagram. She goes, no, you haven't, Dad. I goes, Dina, I have. And I gave her my phone and she's looking. And I'm not saying that I was the guy that, that got Selma Blair to go get HSCT. But, you know, we gave her a lot of information. And I, I, I got to be honest, I was a little disappointed because I was excited when I found out who she was because I thought she'd be a great voice for HSCT. But that hasn't, she has said some things after she was one of the last patients to be treated with, with Dr. Bird. And uh, some of the things that she has said, I don't quite agree with. And I think they're a little misleading, but that's here nor there because I don't talk to her anymore because I don't want her to think I'm a, a stalker. You right. know what I mean? Because she is, she is in the public eye. But I just wish if I were someone like her in the public eye, that I would be the way I am now and the way that you are. If you were, if, if Dr. Zen Jen was a famous person, it would be unbelievable to spread the word because people gravitate towards famous people. Indeed. Right? Indeed. And so, you know, you know, it just continues to motivate me to continue our grassroots efforts and continue to have those conversations and point people to our website hsctwarriors.org where they can find all the research articles about HSCT so that as you're pointing 
people to resources to help them make an informed decision. As Dr. Burt releases his textbook and continues to publish, I think the more we can compile these resources in one place and become that trusted resource, the well, resources you know will speak for themselves. Absolutely. And I, I must say, you are more famous than I am. So uh, we appreciate your podcast and we appreciate what you're doing. And I mean, if people could only personally meet Dr. Burt, or Dr. Fedorenko in uh, in Russia, and Dr. Rees and Dr. Gomez in uh, Mexico. They would they would just be their minds would be blown, and they would be opened up mm. to no end. Right. The biggest struggle the biggest struggle we have in Canada is uh, several years ago. Dr. Friedman's program and Dr. Atkins in Ottawa, Ontario, the capital city. They did a study of twenty four people with a myeloid blade of chemo. And unfortunately, there were a couple deaths. And that's several years ago. So that's, I think, is a scared, probably, uh, the, the program of moving it forward. So I think we're a little behind. I mean, they're doing, they're still doing, um, I think they're doing some trials in Calgary, Alberta, and, uh, and still in Ottawa, but you have to move there for two years. Right. And go through all the rigorous testing as usual, but it is a myeloablative procedure. So a little more strict and uh, rigorous than Dr. Burt or Dr. Ruiz's protocol. Right. And I think what, 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 what excites me the most, though, Jen, is the fact that, uh, that we have come a long way. And I, when I say we, I'm talking about the HSCT community because it was like I was cra- People were telling me I was crazy uh, mm, three and a half Sure. And now they're more accepting because now the, the one thing that troubles me the most is uh, when I think, and I shouldn't think, I'd not say that it troubles me, but that's the wrong choice of words. When I walk with my canes or, be, or if I go long distances with a scooter, people that were so generous that helped out with the fundraisers that people did for us, they look at me and say, oh my, it didn't work for him. He's in a scooter. He has canes. He has MS. They don't see the hidden things that Susie sees and, and your husband and daughter when they, when, when, when you went through or they don't see the times when you have, you know, fatigue or, or bowel or bladder issues, the numbness, the foot drop. You know, they don't see those things. They don't see the emotional side of it. Right. Correct. I'm an emotional. I'm an emotional guy, Jen. I mean, you know, I, but but I, I did a lot of crying. Um, I mean, I cried in Mexico because well, happy tears, just happy tears at, at how wonderful those people were. You know, I don't know if I, I must have told you this the last time we spoke. I mean, I, I'm an American citizen. I just happen to live in Canada. I was born in the States and we've always flown the American flag, the Canadian flag and the Italian flag in our backyard because of my Italian heritage. We now fly the Mexican flag and, and people ask me, they'll come over and say, well, what's with the Mexican flag? And then I'll say, well, I'm glad you asked. And then I'll explain what we went through and, and how we were treated. I was very ignorant, Jen. First one to admit it. Very ignorant. I said, there's no way. When I first heard about it, when Dr. Burt turned me down. Well, okay, now what do we do? We were looking at Mexico and uh, Russia. And the first words out of my mouth, there's no way I'm going to Russia or Mexico. Are you crazy? 100% ignorance on my part. And that's how strongly we feel about the Mexican people and the protocol in Mexico. And and I don't know Dr. Federenko, and I don't know Dr. Bird, but all the things I read about those all those gentlemen, God bless them. And there you go. That's just a, that's just one man's opinion. And we just went out last week 
to buy a new Mexican flag because the one we had was getting a little, uh, you know. Tattered. Yeah, tattered. Yeah, a little worn out. The colors were faded. And that's not how I want to represent what I went through. And uh, that's that's just a point in, of how we feel. Well, it's great to find that joy. Oh, gosh, it is. Like, I, I'm going to be smiling for, for for like the next three, four days after after finishing talking to you. It's because you make me happy. <laughs> oh, you may, it, it makes me very happy to connect with you, Ron, every time. Oh, that's great. I mean, that's great. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, Ivan, you know, we do get busy. And believe it or not, I get busy when I don't work. But I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. I haven't listened to them all. Thank you for but, listening. Uh, it excites me because it brings me back to, to, to where I was at one point. And man, like, like Jan Marie, she... Uh, you know, she, she talked about uh, that they met with some people and uh, helped them make their decision to go to Mexico. That, that, that person was me. Sure. And yeah. I kind of figured that she just didn't want to call your name out without your permission. Oh, no, I, and I understand. But when I heard her say that in your podcast, I said to Susie, I go, Susie, you know what? We may not realize it, but we are helping people. But You're doing, making a difference. Like, absolutely. And, and you don't give it much thought. But, but it is, it's just, it's just amazing. Well, as you pointed out, like we just, we need to promote awareness. We need more doctors to be aware that this is at least an option to be considered. That there is research out there for years about the effectiveness for cancer. And it's not very far off with autoimmune disease. Well, here's an interesting point for you too. And, And my neurologist, he was a good guy. He's, he was on site with HSCT, but when I when I came home with my, I came home and I was skipping. I could skip up to 80 times, 80 counts skipping. And then all of a sudden I got spasticity in my legs and uh, we did everything. We went for physio. We did all these different treatments and, uh, and eventually that spasticity went away. But my walking, you know, the sp- when I talk about spasticity, I was talking about my thighs being very, very tight, and I would walk like the Tin Man. Mm. Well, that, that eventually went, went away. But because I, I was skipping up to 80 times and I could walk maybe uh, four blocks with my canes, well, it was suggested to me that I try, and this was the Mexico a doctor that recommended, why don't you give Rituxin a, a, a go to give it, you know, a small dose, 100 uh, milligrams of Rituxin every couple of months to see if it helps. And we did that. And it didn't really help. But my neurologist has suggested to me that he wanted me to go on Ocrevus the last time I saw him. And I says, okay, for uh, how much and for how long? He says, well, this is not a cure. So every six months for the rest of your life. Now, here's the point I'm leading to. I was on the drug Rituxin. No, I'm sorry. It was Rebif, one of the uh, disease-modifying drug. Sure, uh, when Rebif. you first were diagnosed. When I was first diagnosed. Uh, we had to go on a four, a three-month washout. Well, I was so fed up with this drug that was $2,000 a month to drop my relapses by 25%, uh, and it made me worse. I have not touched a, an MS drug other than the, trying the Rituxin there since I went to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I am not, right today, I'm, a, I'm no longer on any MS drugs. And when I talked about the tau patch, it's not a drug. Sure. There are no side effects. There are no side effects. It's a 30-day money-back guaranteed. So it was a no-brainer for the $250 American that it cost us to give it a go. But the, 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 I guess I could getting to the point with the neurologist, their answer for everything 
seems to be drug related. Mm-hmm. And I just, we're walking home today and talking about it. And uh, cause we do talk about it a lot. And I use the analogy. It's like using a bandaid on a cut that needs stitches. Mm. The bandaid are the MS drugs. The cut is MS. The bandaid's MS drugs. The, the stitches is HSCT mm. and let it heal properly. And that's the way I, and I get, and I'll get a lot of feedback, Jen. I have a, I have a, two family members that are doctors, and they're relatively new, and they were not on board. The, the, my my nephew came over, and we talked about PML, you know, with trituxin and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I thanked him for it. I appreciated it. When I, I sat down with Dr. Rees uh, when I got down there in Mexico, and I might have said this on the last podcast, but uh, I asked Dr. Rees, I goes, can you tell me about rituxin and PML? He looked at me and he said, well, with the amount of rituxin that you're going to get here in Mexico, you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning while you're here. And I just laughed. <laughs> We're on the patio one night, the, the, uh, the, on the top floor patio, uh, and it started to thunder and lightning. I goes, get me out of here. <laughs> so, but anyway, again, it's just, it's, it's, it's sad that you and what you're doing and all the other uh, People that have had this done have to educate people and even educate the doctors. It is sad, but I am so glad to do it and so grateful for the opportunity that you provide in sharing your story and others out there willing to share their stories. And of course, for my good friend, Bill, who's the musical genius who helps to put this all together and make it sound good. I, oh, it's awesome. Having uh, just having the support of so many people to make this happen. It's just truly an honor and a privilege to share stories and talk with you. Oh, when, when, when this young fellow told me today about his sister, who was on, on her deathbed, having HSCT, I'm in the middle of the cafe and I put both my arms up in the air. I goes, yes, I love these stories, Rob. Mm. His name was Rob. And, and, and I, I said to him, I goes, I had HSCT for my MS. And I goes, it's a little different protocol, I'm sure, than what it is for cancer. But I was just so happy. I goes, please hug your sister. I don't even know her. I said, or give her a fist pump because of COVID. Okay. Just God bless her. I mean, I get excited because it just proves that HSCT is a proven medical procedure. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why the, the pushback and why it isn't, fr- you know, what it boils down to, Jen. It's to follow the money. Mm. And that's the part that frustrates me. And I mean, I get some pushback from people when I say that. I'm not against pharmaceutical companies, but because they do a lot of research and they probably do a lot of good, but they get to a point where they exploit the heck out of the consumer and it's just 100% wrong. I can remember one CEO was in an interview and said, we're not here to make people better. We're here to make money. And that was the CEO of a drug company. And that's the part that just, you know, here's a, again, I might've said this before, and I don't mean to repeat myself because it has been years since we spoke. In 2008, during the, during the recession in the United States of America, Fortune 500 companies made a three to 4% profit. Big Pharma, 18%. And you can fact check that. I challenge anyone that listens, that thinks I'm lying, check it out. And that right there tells me there is something wrong with the system. So there you are. Well, there's a lot wrong with the system, right? When even medical schools aren't training up the new classes to learn about HSCT. And I think Dr. Burt's textbook will hopefully remedy that. At least I believe that's his intention. 
Yeah, I would love to meet him one day just to say thank you. Oh, he's amazing. And I mean, you know, but it's and, and he has his own views. I mean, you know, uh, people have said to me, well, he may come across a little arrogant, whatever. Well, guess what? You might have caught a bad interview or whatever. But these doctors, like Dr. Reese, is just, oh, man. And, and everything I hear about Dr. Bird, it's the same. Everything I hear about Dr. Gomez in Monterey, everything I hear about Dr. Fedorenko in Russia. And I feel badly for all these patients out there that, that are, are scheduled to go during this COVID because it's it's really you know, it's added stress. Sure. Well, that was what was great about Jan Marie's interview is she helped to put some of that stress to ease, right? Because they just increased. Yeah. They increased their safety protocols, you know, and and they're making, and they're making great strides in Mexico. It's 54,500 American dollars. And when Susie and I went, we had to buy our own groceries. Now they've accommodated everyone in Puebla with a, a building that they built and your meals are included. They have a cafe right on site. Everything is included. And in Monterey, you have to, you have to cook your own meals, but they give you a $500 gift card to buy right, your groceries. Right. They, they are really trying to make the program better and help everyone. And, and I mean, I mean, 54,500 is a lot of money. That's about 80 grand Canadian. But uh, in Chicago, it was a blessing I got turned down because there's just no way we could have raised that kind of money. And when I say we, I didn't do anything. Everyone else did it for us. Sure. But, but it is a lot. Uh, it's a lot to ask people. Oh, my God, Jen. I got to tell you, I'd rather go through chemotherapy than, than go through that again because the fundraising, my pride took a beating. My pride took a beating. But you know what? It's made it's made me a better person because we just want to give back. and uh, And we had money left over. And we do, we donated it all to HSCT people. That's fantastic. So, uh, in three months, uh, the, those wonderful people, family, friends, uh, uh, old customers, they raised a hundred thousand dollars. And we only needed seventy five eighty. That's tremendous. So the, the rest of the money we donated it all to different uh, to different people that you know a thousand here, five hundred here, whatever. It didn't last very long because it goes quick. Uh, yeah, it sure does. Yeah. So, so what are you most but, excited about with your recovery that you've experienced so far in the last three plus years? I think they, I think I, I never give up the hope. You know, I keep telling everyone my goal is to chase my grandson around the backyard. So it's the hope that keeps me going every day when he comes over. And I, I used to. And then here's another, I think, important point for people, too. When I talk about the pride, I used to watch our, our grandson's four years old. His name is Boston. And I used to watch him and Susie walk out the front door, holding hands to walk to the park. And it would crush me. And then he said, you know, we we should look into a mobility scooter. And uh, I was a little apprehensive. Again, my stupid pride. And I admit it. And when we went to pick the the scooter up, um, I got a little bit emotional. But man, oh, man, Jen, it's been a game changer. I go everywhere. If my if our grandson wants to go to the park, he'll say, "Grandpa, can I ride on your scooter with you?" Absolutely. So now instead of watching them walk down the, the sidewalk holding hands, and I'm staying home alone, I go with them. That's right? so great. The so I guess my, my 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 point here is for everyone that that is going to listen to this this program is please check your pride. If you need a cane, get a cane. Don't. Here's a good example. 
it's amazing how people treat me when I had my when I didn't have my canes versus when I do have them or when I had my cane. Because back then, if, if I when I didn't have my cane, yeah, I'm just a normal person. But when I had my cane, it was like I'm somebody different. They'd hold the door open or, or vice versa. And uh, uh, it's just it's un, it's sad that we should treat everyone the way that I'm treated when I have a cane. That's all I'm saying. But uh, do you want to hear a good story? I would love to hear a good story. This one boggles my mind. You know, as our youth today, with social media and whatever, sometimes they get a bad rap. There's a lot of great kids out there. We went to a, we're an outdoor cafe and we were sitting out in the patio and we're the only ones out there with another table of four people. And I, Susie went in to pay and I got up to use the washroom. Well, as I walking in to go in into the store front, uh, there was these four people and these uh, two young children, I'd say probably eight, nine years old. The young fella got out of his chair. I didn't say a word. I just was walking with my canes. Didn't say a word. He got out of his chair and opened the door for me. Well, I was blown away. And I said, thank you so very, very much. And I went in to, the, to see Susie. I go, Susie, I need $5. I got to give that boy $5. And she looked at me like I'm some kind of weirdo, but she didn't see the young boy open the door. Hmm. So I just went out and I, I looked at the parents and I said, and I held $5 and I sort of pointed, can I give it to him? And I called him over and I said, what you just did for me is so beautiful. And I can't thank you enough. So I thank you for opening the door. Here's $5. Please buy you and your brother an ice cream cone. Nice. And he thanked me with a big smile and he went and sat down. But that's just an example of sometimes kids get a bad rap in today's world. It just, and they were from the United States, by the way. They were just happened to be visiting. Random so, act of kindness. Oh, it's worth, it's worth, it was worth a million dollars. I had the biggest smile on my face for the longest time. And I tell that story to, to everyone because it just boggled my mind. It was beautiful. It's so great so, to know that there's hope out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, Jen, what else is on your mind? What other questions can, can may I try to answer for you? Well, let's see. I'm curious about what your plans are now moving forward. Where do you hope to be in the next three years? I think it's admirable that you've tried so many of these alternative uh, recovery strategies, even helping your muscles learn a new memory, right? With the bike that rides for you. There's for sure. so many benefits to be gained just in helping your muscles go through those motions. The point is to halt progression, right? And so... Well, my progression has been halted and, and I've had all these symptomatic improvements and I believe it's because I was fortunate enough to get it done. I mean, I had it done 16 months after diagnosis. Now, I don't know how long I had MS. Well, looking back, there were signs. So I don't know. You know, but getting it so late and you talk about the hope, uh, you talk about in th three years from now, where do I want to be? Well, I am not going to give up to try and and be able to walk that five, six blocks, eight blocks to, to chase my uh, grandson around the backyard. I, we can't give up. We just got to keep trying. But if I stay like this forever well, I have to accept it. And the biggest thing that I deal with, I think that troubles me the most is the crazy example. I tell everybody, I want to cut the grass as a goal, not because I want to cut the grass, it's because I can't cut the grass. So my wife is, she's a saint. She's a, she's, she's just unbelievable because she does everything for me. 
You know, she cut the grass and she tore a rotator cuff. So we hired somebody to cut the grass. Now her shoulder is better. So she's cutting it again. But you understand what I mean? I want to be able to cut the grass, not because I want to, but because I can't. And once I'm, let's say I'm able to, well, then I'll say, well, let's get somebody else to cut it. You know what I mean? I I want to go back to those. I want to go back to those days where, where I can wash the car or, you know, I can cut the grass because Susie gets tired of me videoing her. And I put it out on Facebook that she's joined RG university on a full scholarship Mm -hmm. at grass cutting. And she just, (laughs) laugh because I've got her washing the car, washing the windows, cutting the grass, shoveling snow. And that's my biggest issue, Jen, is that, that I am, I, I don't, I contribute. When she goes out, I'll go wash the dishes and clean up in the kitchen and whatever. That's about my contribution to the house. You know, I don't vacuum or any of that kind of stuff. And, and that bothers me a bit. I probably, but she understands. I mean, uh, and I think that's how important our partners and caretakers are. So important. They, they, they are like God sets and they go unnoticed. I have MS. People don't know how much work and how much stuff my wife does. And you know what I mean? And they deserve so much credit because they're living it just like we are. Absolutely. It's part of the invisibility, you know? right? Yeah. Like when I'm upset and my wife sees me upset, it upsets her. And, you know, but I've been pretty good the last uh, couple of years, you know, so I I don't get emotional much anymore. Now, sometimes when I talk to somebody, uh, especially a younger person that's dealing with this, you know, with with MS, it bothers me. I mean, we have a young young friend of ours that uh, played soccer with our daughter and she's only in her 20s. And uh, it's just heartbreaking because uh, her neurologist is saying, no, this is you should not be doing HSCT. And when, when we know we have a 24-year-old friend, he went at 24 years old. He's doing, fan, he's 26 or 27 today. He's doing fantastic. It's in, it's in remission. He has no symptoms. He's like living the dream. But it's hard for me to recommend that to someone that they have to be on board. They have to, you know, make that decision themselves. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the tough part, I think, especially for younger people. You know, if, I've been, I guess I should consider myself fortunate getting it at 61 years old, being diagnosed, because I've got to live my, I mean, I want to live till I'm 100, Jen. Sorry. I'll invite you to my 100. <laughs> yes, time. please. So, but I do think about that okay. a lot, though, like how much I did get to enjoy at such a young age. And so, yeah, I mean, I reconcile this struggle now with, well, it's okay because I did so much back then. It's okay that I'm not walking the greatest now. All of my symptoms basically have also resolved. I just am left with this old damage that I'm trying to heal. And and that's, that's, you know what, Jen? And that's what rocks me the most is when I went down there with my MRI, uh, when I went down to Mexico, we brought the MRI with us and there was a new lesion right down my spine, down the left side of my spine. It was huge. And that freaked me out. And that's what I, again, only assuming, because I don't understand medicine very much, is I'm assuming that's why my legs are the way they were, because that lesion was not on there previous. So it was a new lesion. So we're dealing with this damage, residual damage, whatever you want to call it. And we just have to do the best we can. Right, right. But the fact is, your MS is, like, I feel it, your MS and my MS is halted. Absolutely. 
And, and if this is the cards that I've been dealt with, so be it. We got to deal with it. And exactly. if I stay this way, but we can't give up hope. And that's why I want to, you know, I look at you as the poster girl. I look at Jan Marie as the poster girl. I look at some of your other male guests as the poster boys. I want to be the poster boy for MS. I want to say, guys, we can beat this. We can beat this. And we have to just overcome these ignorant neurologists that are, are closed-minded to having this procedure. And, the, you know, you keep hearing time and time again, the sooner the better. I wish I will, could have had it done the day after I was diagnosed. That's such a that's such a small group of people that think that way, right? Because there are masses out there that, uh, that don't know about this. Probably the biggest thing I struggle with, Jen, not for me personally, are the non-responders. I mean, we have, there was, a, it's interesting, there was 15 people in our, in our big group when I was treated. Sure. But in our specific group, there was four of us, and there was one non-responder. So it's interesting, 75% they say it works for. And he was a young man in his 30s, an, air, an airplane pilot, and uh, he's struggling today. And it just breaks my heart that, that, that you know, and, and but possibly if he would have been treated earlier in his diagnosis, Maybe it wouldn't be as bad as it is. Right. So uh, we have a lot of empathy for, and that's why I find a struggle sometimes of, of, of I got to be careful who we're talking to. I don't want to talk about all my successes in front of people that are non-responders. Sure. You know, it's like, because it's just, it's, it's not that it's unfair. It's just, I don't want to hurt them. You know, I pray for them every night and it's just difficult to, to be so fortunate and uh, See, I get a little emotional right now. Sure. Thinking well, it, I can't even imagine the impossibility of facing the progression, right? And the unknown that comes with disease progression. Oh, and yes, I have the yeah. utmost empathy and compassion and prayer sent out to all those suffering with disease. Oh, yes. And I mean, you know, and it just brings me back to uh, to, to how lucky we are, you and I and, and so many others, but we need to give, we need, I think people need to realize, uh, like, I'm not talking about people that are, that live with this disease every day. I'm talking about all the outsiders that see me, how important our caregivers are, how important our partners are. I mean, they are as important as the doctor, Dr. Burt or Dr. Reese or Dr. Gomez. They, they are just as important with the support and love that they give us. Absolutely. You know, super grateful. So, what else are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT? Oh, man, there are just so many things that come to mind, all the wonderful people I've met. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I consider myself a pretty good person, Jen, but I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm grateful for how it has changed me and how I look at life, how I look at people. I try not to be, you know, in a normal conversation, we're all human. So I might be criticize somebody for, I don't know, doing something stupid. Well, I, I sort of take a step back now. And that's all because of how fortunate I have been and my wife to have all the support that we received to get us to Mexico, but also to have this uh, treatment work for us. Mm. So I'm thankful. It's unfortunate that I had to go through uh, MS and HSCT to make me a better person, but I think it has made me a better person. And I'm very thankful for that. And so great that that's the outcome. Oh, for sure. For absolutely for sure. Yeah. But the yes. world needs more Ron Gabrielli, isn't it? Oh, boy, there's not a better feeling, Jen, than to, uh, I've learned from so many people, you know, 
the it's so easy to you know, it's it's you know you know that saying it's easier to give than to receive indeed but there are other people that are struggling today and uh, uh Susie's cousin is is in the hospital and uh, we we call him every day and and she brings him stuff and he doesn't like it but and I just yell at him I say listen here's what I went through here's what people did for us so suck it up and appreciate it because it, because it goes back to it's easier to give than to receive and people don't like to receive right for whatever reason for their their pride humility whatever it is so just keep on giving Jen because we love what you're doing well I couldn't do it without people like you so thank you so much for taking time to talk with me and catch us up to speed on all things good in Ron's life oh, well thank you so much for for having me sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources of the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Alitzalzer for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician. 